Hello, and welcome to Presswick Academy's library podcast, a place for our staff and students to drill down into what makes different authors tip. You are listening to episode one, an interview with author Heather Reed. We are delighted to be joined by Heather Reed, author of When Darkness Whispers and the sequel of Darkness Drowning, who is joining us from Texas in the United States. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I wonder if you could just start by explaining a little bit about your Ashes of Eden book series. Sure. It's so great to be here. Um, thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. So When Darkness Whispers and Of Darkness Drowning is a series about, um, it's sort of a paranormal romance series. And the main character finds herself having a lot of nightmares. Um, she later finds out that there are demons after her, but she doesn't know why. So it's really about her exploring why these demons are coming after her. She's being very secretive because she doesn't want her friends or family to think that she's crazy. Um, and is she crazy or is this really happening? Um, what we come to find out is that she is actually the reincarnation of Eve. Uh, and so we find that out in the series as the series goes, series goes on. I don't want to give away too much, but that's oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, so a lot of authors um, put a lot of themselves into their characters. I'm assuming at school you weren't ditched off the cheerleading squad and chased around by demons. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was not. I did have a lot of nightmares when I was younger. I used oh, to okay. sleepwalk and have some, um, you know, night terrors. And so that's kind of where the idea for this book came from. It's just kind of exploring that fear that I had when I was younger and I did feel sometimes like maybe I was a little crazy uh, because you know you'd have these nightmares and you'd wake up and you'd feel like they were real um, and so I wanted to instill that a little bit in that book and kind of explore like what if they were real um, and not necessarily just a nightmare. So you've channeled that into something quite positive then. That's yes good. yeah. yeah. Um, was it always young adults that you planned to write for was that just where the story took you? I think so. I, when I first started writing, I really wanted to write for children. Um, I actually started out writing uh, picture books. And let me just tell you, picture books are really tough, <laughs> you would think, because they're so short, they're not. Um, and then it sort of evolved into young adult novels. Um, I think because that was the way my writing voice sort of naturally gravitated to. Yeah. Um, and so when I wrote the first draft of When Darkness Whispers, it was definitely teen-based, teen drama. And at the time I was writing it, I was in my early 20s, so it wasn't too far removed from high school at the time. Uh, so I think that just really informed my writing at that point. Okay. Do you think you'll continue to write young adult stuff? or? Uh, right now I'm not. I'm actually working uh, in the fantasy genre for adults. Um, but I... I will always have a love for YA, and I won't say I'll never write another YA series or another YA book. It depends on what the idea is and how the characters present themselves to me at this point in my life. I just kind of, okay, that's, that's what that book wants to be. It wants to be YA or it wants to be adult. So um, just kind of follow my instincts there. Yeah. So on a similar sort of note to that, do you ever, I guess, write the story you set out to write? Are you someone that sort of plans a lot and does a lot of character profiles and things, or do you just get led by the story? So I'm very much a what I call an intuitive writer. So I do have a general idea, but it always starts with character for me. It's very important to me what people are like 
internally as well in their internal struggle as well as their you know external struggle that's going on in the book i don't tend to plot things but i do tend to do a lot of what i call sort of pre-work where i'm digging into what these characters are like what their personalities are like what they may or may not do how will they react within the story and then i sort of have a general idea of um, where the story is going to end, but I very much let the characters lead me down that path um, and don't try to get too bogged down into this detailed, okay, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Other writers do it differently and they very much plot out things. If I plot out something, I'm not interested in writing it anymore because I'm interested in finding out more about these people and learning about the story as I write. So to me, that's what's exciting. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So did you ever have just a character just appear in the middle of your story that you just weren't expecting or? Yes. Funny story, actually, in When Darkness Whispers, um, the other main character, Aaron, his best friend, Marcus, I was writing the first scene he was in, and Marcus just appeared and started talking to Aaron, and he was so funny and strange and... I was like, who is this guy? I didn't plan him. He just showed up and I was like, okay, well, that's Aaron's best friend. I didn't, I didn't know that. So it was quite a, a wonderful scene to write because it was that moment of surprise for me that this character just sort of appeared and started talking to Aaron. And then I figured out that was his best friend. So I guess it'd be a very different book if you did try to stick to your, your plan then. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. So when you're writing, how much are you influenced by, you say you're influenced by the characters you're writing, how much are you influenced by your potential reader? Do you ever change what you're writing compared to, you know, dependent on what you think they want to read? Or? Um, I think in the beginning of my writing, I did focus more on maybe what the market was doing or what readers might be interested in or what, what we call market trends are, which is you know, what's popular, what's not. As I've sort of grown in the craft and, and aged, um, I've become more interested in telling the story that I want to tell and not so much worried about how that's gonna affect the reader. Obviously, you want readers to read your book and you want readers to like it and you want readers to think about it at the end. So I, I, for me, it's more of sort of a broadness of what I'm trying to say what kind of influence my words might have. But at the end of the day, um, I'm not going to focus on, you know, whether it's going to sell or whether readers are going to make it a New York Times bestseller, though that would be amazing. Um, it's really just the journey with the characters and the art of it, really. And then at the end of the day, you know, where, where can we go with this story? Okay, so you don't need ever sort of write something and then edit, edit it out because you don't think it's going to be popular or... No, well, I feel like editing it, editing out that too much, it just limits you. If you focus so much on what somebody might think of your work, you're never going to write it because you're going to always think there's going to be somebody that's going to hate this and there will be. Um, yeah. There's going to be somebody that reads it and says, this is rubbish. I don't even know why I wasted my time. And then you're going to have somebody else that's going to send you an email and says, this book spoke to me and thank you so much. You know, it's, it's such a per reading is such a personal experience, yeah. you know, and not all books are for all people. And that's, uh, that's okay. Do you read your reviews that of interest? Um, I Possibly. try not to. 
Yeah, I was going to say that's be really unhealthy if you're kind of monitoring what other people think of something that's really yeah. yeah. I really try not to. Um, it's hard when you get tagged in a tweet or something like that, and it's not a nice review. And then you're kind of like, I don't know how to respond to that. Thank you for reading it and for your feedback. Sometimes I like to read reviews if I see something that people are saying over and over again. Um, but usually my editor and that type of thing have gone through the book pretty well. So I usually feel pretty confident by the time it go, goes out into the world. Uh, but it is hard sometimes to read that critical yeah, review. Yeah, people that write negative reviews. Uh, if it's not for you, just don't don't read it. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had one review that said there was too much teen drama. And I was like, but it's a book for teens. So... I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, that's not, it's not exactly constructive, is it? Um, no. So, so any time I've tried to do any sort of creative writing, and we do have a creative writing club at Presswick, um, I find that if I read my writing back, I can see exactly what authors I'm not even channeling, I'm just mimicking. Uh, how hard is it at the beginning to sort of find your own voice? And, and is it okay, I guess, to a bit like, if you're forming a band, you sort of start off playing cover songs. Is that how you start off writing? You sort of steal other people's styles? Yeah, I think that's 100% how you sort of find your own voice. You start by mimicking the people that you like or love. Eventually what happens is as you continue to write, that sort of morphs into your own voice. There's no right or wrong for that. It's, it is just write what you want to write. If it feels derivative, everything honestly is when you think about it um it's just voice when people talk about voice in a book or of the voice of an author it really is about um their ideas the way they do senate structure um that type of thing and that just comes with practice and then you start to realize okay i'm starting to form my own voice i no longer sound like tolkien or you know, uh, J.K. Rowling or whoever it is that you're a fan of, and it starts to become your own voice. But it takes time. You're not going to get there overnight. You're not going to start writing something and all of a sudden it sound, doesn't sound like, you know, who you're trying to mimic. Yeah. So who was it you started off, I guess, who were your big influences when you first started off writing, if you could see them in your work or... Yeah, so um, I would have to say probably writers like Stephen King. Um, I would also say I was influenced by V.C. Andrews, which that's going to really age me. Um, Christopher Pike was a, a one that I used to read a lot when I was younger. Um, so those all, also Buffy the Vampire Slayer, while not a book, I was very much influenced by that show and by the writing on that show when I wrote when darkness was first so I could get that yeah i could i could yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so that was that's actually a really huge influence and which shows it doesn't necessarily have to be an author that influences your writing um tv shows movies all of those can influence you so um also uh, madeline l Engle, i wrinkle in time was one of my very favorite books when i was younger um so that was definitely an influence as well fair enough i'm i Back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I'd say probably half the school librarians in the world are probably influenced by Giles. So um, I know, I right? count myself among them. So um, <laughs> but I don't have the dress sense, sadly. Um, 
the English department will probably edit this out, but there's all these different rules to the English language and uh, what you should and shouldn't do. And then authors come along and periodically just break them all with like really good effect in a book. Um, do you think much about rules and style while you're writing or is it just second nature and natural to you? You do it first. Um, I think, you know, you have to really understand the rules in order to break them. Yeah. So, and you're breaking them with a purpose as you kind of work on your craft and you start to become more comfortable in your voice and your writing, you don't worry about that. You don't think about that too much because it does become second nature and your voice is your voice. It trumps the rules in that aspect, but you definitely need that foundation in order to write and you need to understand why you're breaking the rule and what your what rules you're breaking in order for it to be effective and not just sounds like you don't know English. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, that's probably a very good answer. Um, when it comes to writing, I mean, I agonize over every sentence. I, I can agonize over a tweet and an email and everything else, um, which I guess I would hope as an author, you probably have a bit more um, fluidity to your work. Are you someone I that does edit as you go like that or do you just smash it? I am, no, I'm terrible. I am obsessive and terrible and slow because I'm the same. I will obsess about a line for way too long. Um, and I think it's a very hard balance and it's something I've worked on through my whole career, just trying to relax and say, it's okay, you don't have to edit while you're writing. But on the other hand, for me, I feel like I need to have something right in order to move on. Everybody's different. I have a lot of author friends who don't write that way at all. They will sit down and they'll write what we call a messy first draft and they just will just write it all out and get it all out of their system. What, like what I call vomiting the words. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll get into a flow where that's the case and I'll write an entire chapter, two, 3,000 words at a time and not be obsessive about it. But more often than not, I struggle. I struggle with not obsessing. So I don't have an answer for how to not do that other than it just comes a point in time where you're like, okay, I got to move forward and I'll clean it up in editing. I'll clean it up with my editor. It, it's fine. It's not the end of the world but I am a little bit of a perfectionist, so it's a hard. That, that gives the rest of us some confidence. Um, are you, so if you're obsessive like that, do you start at the beginning and go to the end, or do you jump around and write the bits that are in your head? I like to write linear, linearly if I can. Um, although this last book that I've been working on is not, <laughs> not at all doing that. I seem to be get random pieces, um, and so I write the piece, and then I try to figure out where the piece might go. Um, and then there are pieces missing. And for me, that's a harder way to write because I do like to have things sort of in order or in a specific order. Um, but again, sometimes you just have to go with it. Okay, this book wants to be written in pieces. I'm not gonna worry about that. That piece has come to me now. I'm gonna write it. I'll figure out where it goes later in the book. So, you know, I love the editing process. I don't like the drafting process very much, <laughs> even though you have to have a draft in order to, to edit. But that's harder for me. Drafting is much harder than editing. I was going to ask you about the editing process. So, um, as, as you said, you agonize over everything and try to get it right. How protective are you when an editor gets involved? 
So with an editor, it's really a partnership. Um, usually an editor is really excited about the book. They see your vision. They're there not to insert their voice into your work, but to help you look at the big picture and see where there can be improvements. Doesn't necessarily always agree, um, but they're trying to serve your book the best way they can. You're on the same team. For me, it's really about, okay, looking at it objectively, okay, I can see their point that's constructive. I can certainly make those changes or, okay, that's a major point with the character that I don't want to change. Um, and then you have that conversation with the editor. Ultimately, it's my book. It ends up usually being my decision um, at the end, whether that changes or not. So it, it is hard, I think, sometimes. But you also have to realize that, like I said, you're on the same team. So you're working towards the same goal. And your vision doesn't all, isn't always perfect. Um, and they can see things sometimes that you can't because you've been in the story for so long and so deep that there are things that you can't see anymore and you, you need that objective eye to kind of help you sort that out yeah do you think editing um editors are really important even sort of more so in young adult literature because your audience hasn't necessarily got the patience to read um a hundred pages yes. without the story going away it has to keep flowing so um i guess if you've got lost in your writing and wanting to cram and all the research you've done the editor needs to sort of step in and tell you yeah. what it is essentially. Yeah, exactly. That's a hundred percent it. I, um, you know, there's such a, a strong pacing with YA, which is really what differentiates it from adults is the pacing, how quick things move, um, the character development, which is still good character development, but you want to get through the action at the same time. Um, so you definitely need somebody to come in and just kind of help shape those scenes and those moments and say, mm, I know you love this scene, uh, but it has to go. And in the writing world, we call that killing your darlings, meaning right. you have to kill your precious babies um, that you worked so hard at putting on the page, but they don't serve the story in any way. And the longer you do that, the longer you write, the more you understand the editing process, the easier that gets to just be like, yeah, okay, you're right. It doesn't serve the story. It needs to go. Yeah. Fair um, so changing tack completely, I saw that you just had one of your books translated into another language. How exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, so it's being released in the Czech Republic. Um, I think it's coming out in the end of the year. Um, I'm, I hope I get to see a copy of it. I asked my agent about that the other day and she said, well, sometimes they send copies, sometimes they don't. I have no idea if it'll be the same story because it'll be in a different language that I can't read. Yeah, um, but a, it is quite exciting. It must just be a complete leap of blind faith that the translator's going to do it justice, I guess. Yeah, you do. You're just like, okay, well, that's my baby into a different language. And, you know, I just want to see the cover. I think I to me say, that's the most exciting thing. It's a new cover, does it? Yeah, it'll be completely oh. different. I have no idea what it looks like, though. But um, I would love to see it. So... As far as the cover goes, do you get much say over it or does it just get given out to an artist and then you excitedly look at the finished product, I guess? You don't get a lot of say in that. Uh, sometimes you do. Sometimes they ask you for your feedback or ask if you've got any ideas of how you might want the cover to look. But more than likely, that's going to be up to the marketing department and the publisher itself. So you don't 
you get what you get. <laughs> um, and sometimes you'll love it. I have friends, I've been really lucky. My covers have all been beautiful. Um, but I've had friends that were like, mm, my cover is okay. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> you know, it's not my favorite. Um, so yeah. So really it's marketing that makes, makes those decisions for you. Fair enough. Um, so we spoke briefly about your reviews. Have you ever received just like a compliment that really stands out and has really given you a lot of confidence? Yeah, I had, um, I had a reader reach out to me who had been, I guess, suffering with a little bit of depression and, you know, some, you know, feelings of darkness. And when they read the book, they reached out and said that they had felt very similar to my main character, Quinn. Obviously, they're not seeing demons and that type of thing, but they felt like they had a connection to that character and could understand what that character was going through and that it helped them um, with something in their life. And that's the best compliment you could ever get, that that was something that they related to and they felt like that helped them in some way to not feel so alone in whatever they were going through. Um, I had somebody say they felt like the book was similar to Carrie, Stephen King's Carrie, um, yeah. which I thought, well, that was really a big compliment. Um, so those are probably the two biggest compliments that I can think of in a review. Oh, very nice. Okay. Um, and have you got one piece of advice that you'd give to young aspiring writers? I think, you know, just write. Don't worry about what, you know, anybody is saying. It's not that it's not important to get feedback and it's not that it's not important to work on editing skills and things like that, but you can't get there unless you're actually writing and working on story and learning to understand story. And you have to read. You have to read a lot because reading is what informs you on what works in a story what works with characters, what you like, what you don't like, what types of things you might want to work on in the future. So reading is probably even more paramount to writing. You have to do both uh, and you have to do it a lot. So what are you reading at the moment? So I'm currently reading The City We Became by uh, 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 Jemison. Yeah, which is incredible. Just I've not read it yet. Yeah, it's like the city's coming to life. It's a little bit, it reminds me a little bit of Neil Gaiman, not that her voice is like Neil Gaiman, but just sort of that magical world um, that's taking place in an urban city. And then a little bit of H.P. Lovecraft. Set in in New York. Yeah. Set in New York. Yeah. And the city basically becomes alive and people embody the avatar of the city. It's, it's really, yeah. Anyways, it's fabulous. All right, I'll be sure to check it out. I think it's got a copy of it somewhere. Um, so talking of our young writers, I've got some questions from them. Um, so like me, you clearly like fantasy. So which fictional world would you want to live in if you could? Oh my gosh, usually really bad things happen in fictional worlds. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what makes it a hard question, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm a huge Robin Hobb fan. Um, okay. Assassin's Apprentice, I love... You know, Fitz and the Fool are amazing characters. Her Rainwild Chronicles. I think I would love to visit the Rainwilds and see the dragons that live there and talk to the elderlings. I think that would be, that would probably be, even though bad things kind of happen there too, but. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's a pretty. 
I was thinking about this question when they asked it, and I was thinking, I think for me it would be Earthsea by Ashley Le Guin, but I get horrendously seasick. So, <laughs> so maybe not. Maybe what not. a fantastic series. Ursula Le Guin is also one of my favorites as far as fantasy. So that would also be a wonderful. But yeah, you'd have to be on a boat a lot. Yeah, <laughs> but I might get to be a wizard. So, you know. <laughs> That's true. Um, so another question from them is, how do you choose your book title? Is it before you've written the book? after you've written the book or does the publishing team get to have the casting vote yeah the publishing team gets the casting vote um if you i always have a working title i like to have a title for my book relatively early in the process for me that's very i don't know important to the naming of things is important to me yeah um, whether that name stays the same when it gets published or not is again not up to me really though sometimes they'll, they'll stick with the title depends um and i guess on a similar theme um how do you decide who to dedicate your books to well that's a really tough question um i think it really just depends on the book so for you know the first book i ever wrote it was dedicated to the women in my life who had passed on but who had had such an influence on me my family members my grandmother my great aunt. Um, and then the second book was dedicated to my niece, who was such an advocate of my work, you know, just would love my work and so encouraging. And she's a huge reader. So for me, it made sense that the second book was going to be dedicated to her. Uh, as far as future books, I guess it will just kind of depend on, on what that feels like and what that dedication is. The great thing is you don't have to just dedicate it to one person. Um, you can dedicate it to many. Uh, sometimes it's, I've seen other writers dedicate their books to their readers, which is a fantastic dedication in my opinion. Yeah. So, but that's, that's what I've done so far. I don't know what the future will be. Fair enough. Um, and is there one, YA book or author that you think our students should definitely read? That's putting you on the spot right there. Oh my goodness, there's so many. Um, I mean, I love Victoria Schwab. Maggie Steve Otter is one of my favorites. Her books are just incredible. The Scorpio Races by Maggie Steve Otter is one of my ultimate YA fantasy books uh, that I love. You haven't? The Scorpio no. It's not a series, so it's just one book. Um, oh, right. it's, it's really good. It's fantastic. I'll check it out. Um, who else? Gosh, you put me on the spot here. Uh, Grave Mercy, who is by, I'm going to think of it here in a minute, about assassin nuns, which is fantastic. Yeah. Now I get, what is her name? Hang on, sorry. Uh, oh, Robin Lefevers. Right, okay. Yeah, fantastic. It's sort of um, historical YA fantasy with a little bit of magic. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, okay. I mean, Assassin Nuns. Who wouldn't want to read about that? <laughs> that, that I'm sold. Why not? Um, and so just before we started, you said that you used to live in Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we're interviewing you because it is Scottish Book Week. So do you have a favorite Scottish author? Oh, wow. That is a great question. And now you've really put me on the spot because I'm like, Scottish authors, who have I read? I mean, I guess technically Victoria Schwab lives in Edinburgh. 
She does. Um, yeah, she's got that yeah. ghost theory set in Edinburgh. She does. And I do, I mean, I love J.K. Rowling as well. So, I mean, there you go. That's yeah, a good, like good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now that you're back in the States, is there anything about Scotland that you're especially missing? Oh, yes. Um, being by the sea. I miss that so much. Hiking in the woods. Uh, Colleen Castle. I miss just around the grounds there. Um, I miss the smell of the sea air and the wind in my face when I'm standing on the beach. Um, so yeah, and my family that lives yes. there. I miss them a lot. I noticed you didn't say the cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Although I do miss really, really good Indian food um, because oh, yeah. we don't really have that. A good curry. Um, <laughs> And completely to flip it around, how crazy is it living in the United States right now? Uh, it's scary. It's not even just crazy. I mean, it's good, I think. We'll get, I guess we'll find out for sure when, if we can get Trump out or not. Yeah. Probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> it's, it's, I'll feel Texas, better if that happens. <laughs> I think everyone will. Um, is Texas ever going to go blue? We keep getting closer. Yeah. So I think maybe eventually if we get some more Californians to move down here, <laughs> fair enough. Right. Um, I'll take up a lot of your time. So lastly, if people are listening and want to find out more about your work other than coming to our library, where should they go? They can go to heatherlreed.com. Um, I'm also also on Instagram. Uh, I think um, Heather Reed books. That's funny. I can't even remember. I think it's Heather Reed books um, on Instagram, and then also Amazon. Uh, we'll have copies of the book as well. Perfect. I'm sure some of them will check it out. Um, thank you once again for your time. Um, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, and happy Book Week. Thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you once again to Heather for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more about Heather's work, check out the links in the description of this podcast. And don't forget to follow our library Twitter to stay up to date with everything we get up to.